I want to take you on a journey today, and I'm really excited about this month series. Every year I try to answer one question, and throughout the year, every month, I'm answering that question. The question for the year is, what is the truth you need to face that you keep running from? What is the truth? If we're honest, all of us have a truth we run from, and sometimes it's hard. It's hard to hear the truth. And so each month, I talk about a truth we're running from. So this month, I want to talk about the truth about what you really want. I want to talk about the truth about what you really want. So here's the question. What do you want? What is it that you really, really want? Now, a lot of us have had some success. We've done some things, and we feel good about it. You got a house, a car. You got some stuff I was teasing the last service. I said, I'm going to buy me a truck. That's right. And you might say, for what? I don't know. I want to haul something. You might say, haul what? I don't know. But I want to haul something. Now, that, now, now I'm not going to get it today. I'm not going to get it next week. But I got it in my foresight, in my, in my sight, rather than foresight, in my sight. I think that there's nothing wrong in life with wanting something. Sometimes Christians teach people that you should be content and never want anything. I'm going to challenge that this month. Because I think it's healthy for you to have ambition. As you get older, you lose ambition. You wait to die. You stop living. Stop dreaming. And you're little, people used to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Remember that? And when you get older, that seemed like an unwise question because you're all grown up. But why can't you have a new dream? Why can't you have a new passion for your life? Moses was 80 years old. Abraham was 75. I love this. Colonel Sanders was in his 60s when he started KFC. I love it. A senior citizen. Every time you drive by, you ought to think about it. A senior citizen started that place. There's something about having a dream. There's something about having an ambition in your life. You want something. And so I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew chapter 5, and if you're watching and you want to get the sermon notes, if you go to the Overcoming by Faith Ministries app, download it. Overcoming by Faith Ministries app. The sermon notes are on the app. They're also on the Bible app that we've been using. You can go in that Bible app and you can download it that way. But the sermon notes help you follow me along. So if you don't, get them later. It's all good. But I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5, and I want to take you through a few texts, get you out of your own time. Matthew 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. Now, We are in the place in the Bible that's called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is is really a Latin word that simply means blessed. So what we have here is Jesus sitting outside, by the way, on a mountain in casual clothes, talking about how to be blessed and what blessed looks like. It's it's a, a powerful chapter because he says, if you want to be happy, here are the things you should want. Here's the things you should do. Here's the thing that will make you a blessed and a happy person. Now, what you're going to notice is he's not going to mention a car. He's not going to mention a house. He's going to mention some, some attitudes, some approaches to life. I have discovered that nothing I have acquired materially makes me happy long. Nothing I get, no salary, no income, no opportunity, no size of crowd, none of that 
makes me happy long. It's really about how I approach life. And so let me read this text and follow me along. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went to a mountain, a mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he goes through this list of blessings. Blessed are the pure, poor in spirit, first one he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he mentions these people who were blessed, and he describes them. And so this is what I want you to think about. These are the things that can make your life better. If you want these things. Now, again, nothing wrong with a truck. Nothing wrong with some other stuff you want. And I'm really, it's an SUV. It's not really a truck, but I'm calling the truck. Nothing wrong with that. But I need to understand that alone will never make me happy. That's just a thing. I want to cover five areas this month. So here's the preview of the month. Today we're going to talk about what do you really want. I'm going to probe into that and tell you some things to want and tell you some things to not want. Secondly, next week I'm going to talk about being hungry. Are you hungry is going to be the question. I think a lot of people are not driven enough. Third, third week we're going to talk about doing what's right. You're going to notice the verse I'm going to read for you in a minute. He says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's not just wanting something. It's wanting what's right, not just anything. Fourthly, we're going to talk about being satisfied. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, he says. Have you ever been just okay, don't need anything? I'll talk about that in a minute. And then number five, for young people, this can confuse them. Because on one hand, we tell you to be hungry. On the other hand, we tell you to be humble, satisfied, but yet tell you to be passionate. How can you balance all that? How can I be hungry, want more, but yet be happy, and yet be balanced? How do you do that? I'll show you all of that. And so in this study, everything will center around one big verse. And it's in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I've been quoting it. Blessed, we'll talk about that today what it means to be blessed, what to want, what not want. Blessed are those who hunger. We'll talk about hunger. And those who hunger for righteousness. And then we'll talk about being filled. I am convinced that in life, you need to come to a place where this is true in your life. Have you ever had a need-nothing moment? You don't need anything. You don't need anything. Imagine your house, all the clothes are washed, put up, cleaned, Imagine, okay, somebody else's house, but imagine that. Imagine everything being done. Imagine all your bills are paid. You don't owe anybody anything. Imagine what that feels like. Imagine getting up in the morning and having nothing to do that you have to do. If you want to watch movies all day, you can. If you want to sleep all day, you can. So you say, that'd be a good day, wouldn't it, right? right? So think about that. There's a moment where God says, I want to get you to a place where you're satisfied. It, it, it affects your life. It would be nice to look for a husband single people and not need one. It would be nice to look for a man but not need one. It would be nice to just want somebody in your life. I don't need you to pay anything for me. I don't need you to buy anything for me. I don't need you to give me anything. I'm happy I got good friends. I'm happy with myself. I don't need you to make me happy. I don't need you to make me smile. I feel loved already. I want you in my life as an addition not as a mandatory meet-all-my-needs person. That's what kills a lot of relationships. 
I need you because I need you. And everything is about needing something. And people feel it. They get frustrated. It's nice to go shopping with people that have money. It's nice because they don't want your money. You can buy what you want to buy. They can buy what they want to buy. There's something about not having neediness around you all the time. And that's what your dream should be. I want to get to the place that I'm not so needy. I want to get to a place where I'm not always around people to get something from somebody. And it's so amazing that some of us have given up on that dream. But you can be that way. Now, I want to take you on a journey, and I want to show you seven things you should want. Seven things you should want that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. The first one is a surprise to me. Here's what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First thing we should want is to be poor in spirit. Now, that doesn't sound like it makes sense. But if you listen carefully, he didn't say poor in money. He said poor in spirit. What he's talking about here is blessed people understand their impoverished condition. They understand that without God, they are poor. And they come to life understanding that. I may have a fancy car, a fancy house, but if I don't have God in my life, I'm poor. And Jesus says, guys, blessing is about understanding what you don't have. Having a humble spirit that embraces your poverty. Second thing he says is this. We should want to grieve. We should want to be poor in spirit, number one. We should secondly want to grieve over the thing that grieves God. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. There's the grieving, for they will be comforted. There's something about being clear that if, 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 if I grieve over the things that God grieves over, I'll be happier. If I celebrate over the things that God celebrates, I'll be happy. He says, this is how kingdom people live. This is how they find happiness. They embrace their poverty. They know what they don't have. That's why they don't get prideful and uplifted, because they know who they are. Every time I see Stephen Curry make a shot, and he does that, I go, there you go, boy. Give God the credit, even though I know you practiced. But there's something about Honoring God, acknowledging him in all your ways. Understanding that without him, I'm poor. In this job in pastoring, you can get real arrogant. They come in to hear me. You got to be careful, boy. And you got to also be careful that you don't forget that there's some things that God wants to burden your heart with. Blessed people grieve over what they see in this society today. Their heart should grieve. Thirdly, blessed people, he says, are meek. Blessed are the meek. You should want to be a teachable, meek person. You should say, that's my dream. I want to be teachable. I want to be meek. The Bible says those are the people that will inherit the earth. Fourthly, he says, we should want to be hungry. That's where we're going to live today, this whole series. Hungry and ambitious. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's something about that. I, I can't say that enough. I believe we don't want enough. I believe we've given up on children, giving up on our dreams, and you're coasting to death. You're just waiting to die. And I think that's sad. I think you need to get excited about something and write it down. It needs to be written. This is my dream. 
my economic dream, my physical dream, my emotional dream. Number five, we should want to be merciful. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. Blessed people are merciful. They care for others. There are times when people get on my nerves. They do. Hard to admit that, but it's the truth. And in those moments, when somebody <laughs> is doing something or saying something, it comes to my mind, are you going to be merciful now? Are you going to be the kind of person who's grumpy and arrogant and condescending? Are you going to be merciful and loving? I should want to be merciful. You know why? Because I want mercy. I want people to be merciful to me. Number six, we should want to be pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, that's tough. Because if I'm honest, stuff comes to my mind and my heart is not always pure. But that that's the honest moment you want. You want to be able to say to God, okay, God, listen, I have a very impure thought right now. I've got some impure stuff going on in my head and heart, but I bring that to you. That's what made David different. David was different not because he didn't struggle. David was different because he admitted his struggle and he never did it again. It's being able to say, I get it. I'm like anybody. I can fail. But a pure-hearted person is honest. You should want to be pure in heart. Man. Number seven, final one, we should want to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, I'll tell you something. <laughs> if you've been around church long enough, you know people fight all the time. But it's not just church, it's families. All this talk about police stuff and what the police should do. I, I, I find that fascinating. As if we blame the lack of peace and the violence in the street on the police department or on the city or on the mayor. Those are your cousins. Those are your brothers. Those are your sisters. They live in your neighborhood. Those are your friends. Now, I don't have to ask you to raise your hands, but you know somebody that ain't got it all together. You know somebody that's not kind of, I grew up in an environment with good people, but I knew violent people. I knew people who broke the law. Don't raise your hand. I knew people who broke the law and never got caught. I sure do. And so do you. Now, whose fault is that? Bubba Louie shoots Cool Breeze. Bubba Louie and Cool Breeze are arguing about drugs. That ain't the police's fault. That's Bubba Louie, the, the, the son of Elma. I'm making that name up, by the way. That ain't got, how you gonna name the mayor for that? Those are our people. You know what the big problem is? Our families, our children, the ones we're raising are not peacemakers. That's why they're not happy. They're not happy and they live on this constant cycle of strife. Some of you are in strife right now. Right now. The recent stabbing in Savannah was tied to a family argument. A family argument. And they all started fighting, stabbing and cutting. It was horrible. What the police had to do with that? Marching in the street ain't going to make that family do right. You need to talk to that family. That's the hard work. Winning people to Christ. I like that. I got one toot on that one. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that. It's all about us understanding our responsibility 
and changing our world. Now, there is a role the police plays, and when they're out of line, they need to deal with that. If there's something they do wrong, talk about that. That's fine. If an officer's wrong, okay, that's fine. But the, even the, most of the officers agree with that. What I want us to do is understand the big problem is our families. Our family, my cousins, my nephews, my brothers, my sisters. When have you talked to one of them? The Bible says happy are the peacemakers. It's always amazing how we ignore that. And I want to bring me to verse 10. Here's what he says in closing in this chapter. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in, in, in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Guess what? They're going to persecute you. That's part of life. Happy people don't just have cars. Don't just build big homes. Don't just become famous. Happy people act right. Happy people live a certain way. I wish it was as simple as getting a truck. I wish it was as simple as getting some clothing. I wish all I had to do to be happy was to go find me some women somewhere. And that's all. But listen, you done found the women and you still ain't happy. Watch yourself. I got one. That's enough. Come on, say amen. I see it right there. One. And I love her dearly. But I know why God said you only need one. You need one man, one woman. And some of you, I'm not putting you down. Almost all of us have dated more than one person. But I'm just saying, the big deal, what I've learned is happiness is more about my choice in life. That's what the Beatitudes is about. If Jesus thought that you'd be happy, he would have said, blessed are those who own chariots. Blessed are those who have fancy sandals. Blessed are those who have jewelry. He didn't say that. And if you live your life chasing those things, when you get them, you'll stand there and say, something's missing. Those are things you should want. Here's two things you should not want. You ready? Three things. One is family strife. Luke chapter 12 tells a story in verse 13 of a guy who gets into family strife with his brother. Listen to what he says. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, these guys are listening to Jesus talk, and their complaint is he won't share. Out of nowhere. Jesus is talking, and they raise their hand. Can, can you do me a favor, Jesus? My brother won't share his inheritance. Grandmama left a whole bunch of money, and he won't share it with me. He, won't, he wants all the furniture. This is the argument. Here's what you don't want, that kind of life. You don't want to live your life in family strife. Somebody needs to hear this. Let it go. I've learned in my life that I can't make some people like me. That I can't change. But I cannot contribute to it. I can choose to say I will not participate in foolish family strife I'm going to let it go it's not important it's not that important and then when they die you come to the funeral and cry I see it all the time let it go what did I just say let it go it's not that important 
They disrespected me. Well, you disrespected God, but he still loves you. You've done things to God. God should, God should write you off. He should write all of us off. We've all messed up. I'm not going to take that. What if God told you that? What if he just said, I'm not going to take it and then, then choked you out? I want you to think about that for a minute. Let it go. It's not worth it. Family strife is what you don't want. Now, if you're not careful, you like to fight. Get addicted to it. Come in the house starting to fight. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm in a house full of Christians. I've seen it. Whole place went up in an uproar. It was amazing. Over nothing. Family strife is, un is not where you want to be. Secondly, watch this now. Family greed. The guy was complaining because his brother wasn't sharing with him. You know, at some point, the stuff you have doesn't matter. You know, one of the hardest things to do is do a will. Because when you do a will, you got to decide who gets what. <laughs> and, and I tell you, what's really amazing to me. I do funerals. And I, people, we have about 3,000 members here, so I'm always involved in some funeral every week almost. I mean, it's a lot of people dying. Their cousins die, brothers, brothers die. And it's really hard to think about stuff. Now, if you think I'm playing, go home because a lot of people don't have wills, which is really unwise. Because then the court's going to decide where your stuff goes, and they're going to put it all in the street and embarrass you. They're going to put all it. So you need to get a will. Decide who gets what. Do a drill, piece of paper. Sit down and say, okay, let me see. If I die today, who would get my, my bedroom suit? You know what's going to happen? Your family is going to come pick over it. I see it all the time. They're going to take your clothes to the Goodwill. I see it all the time. They're not going to wear your clothes. They're going to send everything you got on today. Look at, the, look at the clothes. Look around you. Look at, look, look at your neighbors. Say, Goodwill. Look at them. Say, Goodwill. 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 Everything on. Everybody is going to Goodwill. Now, now, now some families, they, they come. <laughs> I had this happen. I had this, I had this happen. I say this in love. I don't mean no harm when I say this. My mama hadn't been in the grave, but a mint, and a mint, like she just, like, just got in the grave, like, 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 in the grave, like, second, and they was asking for her clothes. I said, really? Like, you want her clothes? She just got in the grave for a minute. Now, I know they meant well, <laughs> but it's amazing. It's amazing how we get all hyped up and get caught up in greed and don't realize Everything you have, the car you driving, who's going to get that car when you're going? Some of you say nobody because you ain't finished paying for it. The bank going to get it back. I'm telling you right now. And if the house you in, you ain't paid it off, the bank going to get that too. That's why they happen to loan it to you. They know they're going to get a lot of it back. They'll get it back through taxes. Ta the city of Savannah got a bunch of property back because people don't pay $50. You'd be surprised. Almost no money. And your family won't pay it. Think about what I'm saying. That's why what you don't want is family strife and you don't want family greed. Here's the third thing you don't want. Guilt because of your blessing. I call this uh, success, con success confusion. It's interesting as you read the story, the guy is confused as, you, as Jesus goes on and talks about it. And he describes how sometimes when you're successful, and some of you are there right now, you're emotionally confused by it. You got so much now, you almost are embarrassed by it. 
And he tells a story, and I want to close with this story. He says this in verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I love that. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I got too many stocks, bonds, mutual funds. I've saved so much money, so much cash. I can't believe it. Then he said, this is what I will do with all the properties and all the houses and the cars I've gotten. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain, plenty of stocks, plenty of mutual funds, plenty of cars, plenty of houses for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And here's what I want you to see. This is the guy who is who's struggling. Some of you in here, some of you listening to me, some of you watching, you are doing really well. And emotionally, it's confusing for you. I call it success confusion. You feel guilty not giving people money who ask you for it. You feel you, you so, you're too ashamed. You, you act poor because you don't want nobody to know you have any money. You may be sitting next to one of them people right now. Just look at them real quick. Mm -hmm, I bet that's one right there. That's one right there. And so what happens is you get confused. This happens when people, for example, if they get an insurance inheritance, somebody dies, leaves them a bunch of money, or they get, they get a house, they're, they're confused by it. Notice the confusion in this guy's life. Notice Jesus closes with these things. You don't want strife. You don't want to be where these people are. You don't want to be greedy. You, you want to be a person who honors God. And that's what he says. After the guy, after Jesus tells this parable, he says the very next day, verse 20, the guy dies. And he asked this great question. Who's going to get your stuff? Here's the point. You have to understand the different temptations you face in your life. Some of you, you're facing greed. That's the temptation. Some of you, you're facing the success confusion. For some of you, you have seen a person die suddenly. And everybody in the family is confused and fighting. You've seen all that. Here's the question for you. Is that what you want for your family? Is that what you want for your life? Why don't you back up the train just a little bit? Get your life in order. Why don't you back your train up just a little bit and deal with the truth about your life, wherever you are in this story. And love God and don't worry. Love God and don't worry. Say, God, you know what? I trust you with my life. So I'm going to be honest about what I want. I see what you want. You want me to focus more on you and on my attitude and on my behavior than on stuff. But I'm also going to, Lord, learn how to trust you with my stuff. And I'm not going to be guilty if I'm blessed. I'm not going to be greedy for what my brother has. And I'm going to trust you with my life. Now I'm done for the day. Next week I'm going to come back and talk about the second part of this. I believe one of the biggest mistakes we make is we're not honest about what blessings look like and what we want. But then we're not honest about the fact that we are 
passive and we're not driven. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. I want to talk to you next week about hunger and thirst. As a pastor, I mean, I struggle with it all the time. Because people will make me feel guilty for having a desire. They'll make me feel guilty about dreams and passions. They make me think all I'm supposed to do is just walk around with my head in the sky. If I'm not careful, greed will get in my heart. If I'm not careful, I'll have that same thing that guy has, confusion about my blessings. And if I'm not careful, I'll be worried about possessions and not be rich toward God. When I get money, I'll think about me and not him and not others. I want you to stand on your feet. If you're in your car, sit up straight. Lord, today we talked about blessings, what we should want. We saw a list of things, seven things we should want. We saw some attitudes we need to adjust. But we also saw some things we shouldn't want. We should never want strife in our families. We should never be greedy. But we should never feel guilty about our blessings. We should be rich toward God. We should be open in our heart to you. And so we leave this place today in these 30 minutes we've been talking, surrendering our life to you. Thank you for our blessing. Thank you for stirring a dream in us. And God, I declare by faith that as we go forward, your hand is going to be on us and bless us in Jesus' name. If there's somebody here, Lord, that doesn't know your Savior, they've never given their life to Jesus, I pray the Holy Spirit would touch them in a special way. I pray that the Holy Spirit would give them grace and strength. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help them to be okay with what you've given to them, an opportunity to start their life with Jesus. May they today say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. And I give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.